I think a materialist approach to things is very, very consistent with uh, my experience in Christian social justice. I feel like the, the deeper I get into anarchist practice, the deeper my faith is getting at the same time. I would hope that you know, securing means of life for all would be something all people of faith would say, oh yes, that's at the basis of what we believe. Those who are most marginalized know the most about the truth, good and the beautiful. To me, it's less that I think building class solidarity is a bad thing, as much as it seems like if you don't attend to things like anti-black racism, um, that's always going to get in the way of building class solidarity, actually. And when you go back, you find that a lot of uh, revolutionary grassroots participatory movements, the, the precursors to what you could call um, the barrio assemblies and these like, you know, grassroots neighborhood organizations, a lot of these were sponsored by the church. What does it mean to say that the Christian tradition is internally contradictory and there are antagonisms there? And you're always uh, being faithful to some aspects and betraying other aspects. Welcome to The Magnificast, a podcast about Christianity and leftist politics. I'm Dean Detloff. I'm a PhD student at the Institute for Christian Studies in Toronto. And I'm Matt Bernico. I teach media studies at Greenville University in Greenville, Illinois. This week we are talking about the Christian left. Uh, you might think that's what we're always talking about, but now we're going to talk about it at a... Uh a special level, um, a meta level. Uh, we're talking about how the media thinks about the Christian left, um, which is something we've talked about before, but we're coming back around to it in light of all the uh, the new takes that are coming out around the Democratic uh, candidates for the primaries this, uh, this fall. Yeah, uh, if you want to listen back, um, that's episode 43. Um, as it turns out, uh, 2017 was the year of the Christian left, and 2018 was also the year of the Christian left. And uh, as it it still is the case, 2019, still the year of the Christian left. So we're going to get to the bottom of that Christian left. But before we do, Dean, I have a really good question that I found on reddit.com slash r slash Christianity, and I need your help in answering it. <laughs> All right. Thanks for this gift. Uh, I'll definitely offer any assistance that I can. Yeah. So I found this one under the controversial tab. Uh, so, you know, mm. like someone <laughs> needs our help on this yeah yeah okay i'm here i'm ready yeah okay so here it is are we allowed to write biblical fan fiction <laughs> uh here's a little bit more elaboration not to be included in the bible but just for fun <laughs> um so uh okay and like here's the answer that somebody else gave and i think it's kind of on the right track but i think i want to hear more of what you have to say so another user comments um I think as long as you don't pander to our carnal mind, you should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> dang, dang! Now I have to throw out all my all my own biblical fan fiction because that's all I was doing was pandering to the carnal mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you don't want the carnality in there. That's kind of the you don't want that slash fic. Um, you gotta, yeah, you gotta pander to uh, the spiritual heart and soul. Yeah. So, what would be your biblical fan fiction? How would you, what would you write yours about? Oh boy, um, I'm just trying to think of all the greatest biblical fan fiction I already know about. Um, I mean, there's lots of Hollywood renditions, of course, but uh, mm -hmm. I love uh, the Gospel of Thomas, for example. It's just a really good example of some good biblical fan fiction. Um, talking about Jesus making little birds out of clay and uh, raising up kids from the dead when he's a little kid and telling off his parents. Um, I like that a lot. So yeah, give me a sec just to sort of ruminate on uh, 
on these kinds of stories. Yeah, while you're thinking um, about it, can I give you mine? Yeah, please do. Okay, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? But yeah, yeah. they're the Justice League. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, um, they all have superpowers, and it is to not be burnt in fire, so... <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, surprisingly uh, useful superpower actually <laughs> when you think wouldn't come in handy too often but uh that one time yeah. very important yeah power exactly exactly uh, they were all bitten by yeah. radioactive fire and that's why they can do it <laughs> um yeah okay uh i'm trying to think of some some very good like biblical prophet uh fan fiction just because the the fiction like the fact is already so rich the biblical fact yeah um yeah, yeah. How, how you could top it is just uh, I mean, that would be the real challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Like, people are already, like, walking around naked. Um, they're uh, cooking their food over cow poop. They're staging, like, tiny battles at the city gate. I guess I'd want a prophet who was just sort of like a like an ancient internet troll, um, just, like, shitposting in ancient Israel. I think that would be really good. Uh, you know, some, some sort of prophet that just wanders, like, in his underwear into the king's uh, bedroom, um, uh, in some kind of bizarre getup, uh, basically just sending around like hieroglyphic memes or something. I mean, clearly I'm not an ancient studies scholar, but I imagine if I got enough of them together, I could come up with something. Yeah, I'm certain that uh, that would make sense. It might, it could pander. The only thing is I'm worried it could pander to the carnal mind a little too much. That's <laughs> the thing. I can't really get myself out of that principle. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to you don't want to do a sort of fanfic about Song of Songs or something, because really that's just uh that's just you being kind of horny you know <laughs> the carnalist of mine yeah <laughs> the spiciest of songs <laughs> yeah um hmm how about like what if mm, in the church of acts um but batman was there so like a crossover a crossover episode you're thinking here that's what i've got in my brain yeah and i know i mean yeah. batman uh, is hunky, but I don't think carnal, I wouldn't say. Yeah, the thing about Batman in the Church of Acts, though, is he's obviously like an Ananias and Sapphira character. Ooh, uh, Bruce Wayne is never point. never going to give away all of his property. Yeah, okay, good point. Yes, uh-huh. Um, Batman would be a Roman centurion, for sure. That's good. Okay, I like that. Um, What if the Flash was a disciple? <laughs> You're really committed to this DC universe, but in the Bible. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm down. I'm here for it. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, <laughs> so um, Paul, but he's the Martian Manhunter. <laughs> okay, uh, here's the thing. I was thinking the other day, what if cartoons got saved? <laughs> That's actually my motivation behind all of this because, like, I watch <laughs> Justice League. I watch Teen Titans. I see Aqualad, and he's out there struggling with carnality and the flesh. And I just wish Aqualad, <laughs> I wish he could get saved. Or Raven, yeah. specifically. I mean, she's someone that could use the light of God in her life uh, being the spawn of a big uh, demon and all. She's got a very big God-shaped hole. No doubt about that. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that this is also just a good way to relaunch Chris Rice's career. Yeah, uh, He needs all the help he can get. Chris Rice, please. Please do this for us. What if the Justice League got <laughs> saved? <for> no. <laughs> Chris Wright's biblical fan. Chris Rice's biblical fan fiction is a good album I would listen to. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you know what the worst <laughs> Christian fan fiction is, though? <laughs> uh, that's a really good segue, yeah. actually. Just um, journalism yeah. in general about religion is pretty bad. <laughs> uh, good job. We brought it around. Mm, we got it. So, <laughs> as far as journalism goes, uh, there's a cottage industry of folks working 
the religion beat, who have all manner of extremely spicy takes on what they've called the Christian left, or sometimes the religious left when they're feeling ecumenical. <laughs> they're two different ideas, honestly, but, um, I mean, within the context of this show, we'll probably just talk about the Christian left, because that's what we can speak yeah. to. Yeah, speaking of that distinction, it's actually probably important to say up front here, there's a great article at Sojourners by, uh, who is it, um, Harmeet Cambodge about, uh, well, the title is The Media's Religious Left is Erasing Marginalized Communities of Faith. Um, it's a really, really kind of simple and clear uh, argument, but the, the, the thrust of it is that when people talk about the religious left, what they're really doing is talking about the Christian left, and they're also specifically talking usually about like the white Christian left, and they end up uh, sidelining all these really um, important uh, actions done by all kinds of other people. Uh, so, um, you know, that's something to just like flag up front and then to say that basically we're going to focus on the Christian left specifically just because that's kind of a wheelhouse. Um, but that's not to sort of try to uh, draw all the rest of uh, the possibilities for faith communities on the left into this one narrow uh, gap. And we'll try to be mindful of that as we go. Yeah, totally. Extremely important point. <laughs> well, uh, so if, if you yourself out there following um, sort of what's been written and pronounced about the Christian left in the um, ongoing media cycle, you've probably heard a lot of things about it already. So you might have heard, you know, predictions about it being on the rise or the statistical impossibility of the Christian left. That's a good one that people will make every now and again. Um, or how the Christian left already exists and you just didn't notice it because you're a dingus. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, or the other one that Dean just said, like, you know, how the Christian left uh, discourse erases, you know, progressive elements of other faiths, which is a good point too, right? These takes are all pretty common. They're not bad at, at all, I don't think, um, but a careful analysis can demonstrate like a type of uh, political tunnel vision where, uh, you know, we when it comes to the Christian left, we focus on electoralism and uh, the politics of Democrats or Republicans and uh, misses some other stuff. So in all of these takes, the Christian left boils down to what uh, uh, scholar and journalist Dean Detloff has articulated as <laughs> uh, Christians who like Democrats and Democrats who like Christians. That's usually what we mean when we say the Christian left. So clearly the Christian left as uh, just Democrats who go to church is a pretty inattentive and like, oh my gosh, boring political analysis. Uh, it's just also not very truthful uh, either. Uh, and this is like a big, beautiful and weird group of Christians who are all further left than the political imagination of journalists can usually see or understand. Um, and that's a problem because it shapes people's expectations of what's really possible for Christians on the left. Um, you know, we think about um, when it comes to Christians on the left, we usually think about electoralism because of journalist articles. In light of this tension um, between um, sort of the tunnel vision of journalists and like maybe what we see on the show is the reality, um, we're going to do a little, little bit of media criticism and get to the bottom of the Christian left uh, and figure out um, how our show uh, can kind of intervene in the discourse. Yeah, Um to kind of get into this a little bit, we're going to look at a few of the most recent articles and opinion pieces that have been published on the religious left. Uh, again, this is something that we did um, last year, kind of around this time, a little bit earlier, I guess. Uh, but because of the sheer volume of all these things, and there's only been more uh, since the new year, we can't look at everything. So we thought we'd just pull out a handful of articles on the Christian left and the religious left more broadly 
and parse out some of these tropes that get used and maybe see what's missing. So to get us into that, a little bit of background first before we dive into the uh, the first article. So talk about the religious left is interesting because it's always been a hot topic for journalists. You know, the, some people say this is a, a new journalistic meme, but it's been around forever. Uh, it's something that journalists kind of reach for when they need a, a story. But it is true that the conversation really got going, I think, in a, in a big way during the 2016 primaries. And then after Trump got elected... Uh, and then in as the these Democratic candidates have announced their candidacies for president uh, has really like snowballed into a, a much, much bigger thing than the kind of usual topic. Um, a lot of people are basically asking two questions, though, after 2016. Uh, and this is related to basically when our show came around, too. So the first was, why did Christians vote for a candidate who seemed on paper to embody basically like everything that Christians say they don't affirm, right? Trump is like, people were like, how could Christians possibly vote for this, you know, super gross monster? And then second, uh, people kind of asked, could there ever be a voting block for the Democrats that was like the powerful Christian right that consistently votes for the Republicans? So there's a, a reliable Christian right. Could there be some something like that for Democrats? So for our part, we talked about that first question a little bit when we interviewed Daniel Camacho way back on episode 17, which feels like 100 years ago now. Uh, and Daniel said, it shouldn't really be a surprise that evangelicals voted for Trump because evangelicalism has been there or leading in that direction all along, which is a really good take that I think we still stand by. Um, we talked about that second question as well, like Matt said earlier, back in uh, episode 43, when we did another one of these kind of media critical episodes. And we'll probably end up repeating a lot of what we said back then, but it's worth revisiting since now 2019 is the year of the religious left, not just 2018 or 2017. Um, in that episode, we said that from the perspective of the media, the religious left kind of looked a lot more like publishing think pieces than actual organizing. And that's still kind of true, but now we have a new crop of Democratic candidates to think through as well. Uh, and that leads us to actually an article from last year as a way of just sort of setting the stage here on Cory Booker. Uh, so I'll throw it over to you, Matt, um, to kind of lead us into that discussion. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so the article we're going to talk about first is called Cory Booker Could Be a Candidate for the, quote, Religious Left by Jack Jenkins in Religious News. Um, cool. So... It's a really straightforward article for the most part. It's basically just kind of giving a profile of who Cory Booker is. Uh, this is like right when um, it was kind of clear that he was going to run for president. Um, and Jack Jenkins just kind of lays out the case about, you know, who Cory Booker is and why he's kind of like a person of faith and why that should matter to people who are uh, Democrats and religious. Um, okay, I'll say this too. Like, when this article came out, I, like, got really mad and annoyed about it, and I posted about it on Twitter, and then Jack Jenkins got really mad at me. And, I don't know, fair enough. Um, Jack Jenkins, otherwise, is, like, a fine journalist, so whatever. I just didn't like this article, and I still don't, but whatever. Um, <laughs> whatever, man, I don't care. Um, I have nothing to lose here. Um so uh, I'm going to read a little bit of it and you can kind of get a feel for like kind of the idea behind the discourse and the types of rhetoric that it seems um, like are important. I guess I, I wanted to pull this one out specifically because it's a really good example of like, um, I think like the think PC type of religious left journalism or Christian Christian left reporting where it's like this person is just like a Democrat who goes to church and they are religious and like, wow, you should be grateful and think about how cool that is. Um, and like the religious left could be a thing because of it. So um, here's a little bit I'll read here. 
Um, okay, so Booker claims that his faith is not partisan. He said religion is a way to reach across the aisle. Republican Senator John Thune is reportedly a member of his Bible study, along with New York Senator Kristen Gillibrand, uh, another potential Democratic presidential hopeful. But if Booker is unapologetic about his faith, he's also unapologetic about the potential political effect of his God talk. Then um, a quote, I think Democrats make the mistake often of ceding that territory to Republicans of faith, Booker said. Okay, so this is kind of what like the Christian left reporting looks like, I think, or at least this is what it looked like in 2018. Cory Booker is a Democrat. He's a Christian. He has like roots in the black church. And like, isn't that all very cool? Um, this is the way that his uh, faith interacts with his political life. It makes him nonpartisan. Isn't it neat that he has a Bible study with a Republican? I don't think it's that neat, but fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so like that's what it's about, right? It's just trying to make this link between Cory Booker um, as politician and Cory Booker as like religious person. And there, there you go. What do you think, Dean? Yeah, no, I think that's right as sort of the an interesting way of of building a religious aura, you could say, around a, a candidate in particular. Um, yeah, I mean, Cory Booker is a fascinating character as well, because to see him as the candidate for the religious left uh, to kind of make that statement makes a number of assumptions. One of those assumptions being that the religious left is a block that could have a representative that would be a Democrat in the first place. Yeah. Right. So we're already kind of seeing that truncated vision of, you know, how the religious left kind of gets limited into electoral politics. Um, and I think that's a huge problem. But I think even given all of that, uh, the kind of measure for how somebody expresses their faith or whatever, like the bar seems to be pretty low. Um, and it's fine. Like Cory Booker, I have no doubt that he's probably like a, you know, like, an authentically Christian person, like that's fine. Um, but as far as like being on the left goes, like he's a, a kind of progressive Democrat on some issues, but he's also like pretty jazzed about capitalism, like very into, uh, he like had some bipartisan uh, work, um, not only in Bible studies, but also with uh, people like Rand Paul um, making some free enterprise zones and things like that. So, you know, like he, he isn't really a candidate of of many people who take themselves to be people of faith and are to the left of the Democratic Party. Um, but a profile like this, I think you you're right to be frustrated by it because it sort of uh, automatically presumes um, that this is kind of the base level of entry that you really need just to be a Democrat who's willing to talk in public about their faith or something. Yeah. Okay. So it goes on a little bit further and says something that's like kind of interesting. And what I feel like is actually an extremely partisan thing to say when it comes to religion, but, um, Booker claims this faith is not partisan. So what can you do? So, um, <laughs> the article goes on and quotes, uh, Cory Booker some more. And he says, uh, I think God is love. Booker said, leaning across his desk. That's that good journalism right there. Um, <laughs> I think God is justice. I think that the ideals of this country are in line with my faith. Yikes. I don't need to talk about religion to talk about those ideals that all Americans hold dear. Perhaps Booker is something of an evangelical, or an at least or at least an evangelist. For this ecumenical sense that politics and religion are not mutually exclusive, all while reaching those outside the religious fold with a broader inclusive message. Whether the faithful, literal, and figurative will rally around that idea will likely be the question of the next two years. Booker then is quoted at the end of the uh, the end of the article saying, "Every speech I give will not yield from talking about the revival of civic grace." Cory Booker says some really confusing things actually in this this bit. God's love, okay, fine. 
all Christians say that, no big deal. Uh, God is justice, like, all right, that sounds legit. Um, and then he says, I think that the ideals of this country are in line with my faith, which is a wild thing to say. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, they're probably not. Um, <laughs> I mean, an imperialist country that, like, is, you know, all stolen land is probably not actually in line with your faith if you think God is justice. But I don't know. I mean, uh, Cory Booker doesn't, I think, know what he's talking about there. Um, still, uh, Jack Jenkins kind of ends the article in an interesting way. Um, he's kind of, you know, making a prediction about how important this question of the religious left will actually be. Um, so he says, you know, we'll see basically whether or not people rally around the idea that religious left is important. And like, I think when I read this article, I was like, Jack Jenkins, no, I mean, no one, like, no, no one will actually rally around this question. Um, but, uh, I think I'm kind of wrong actually. Um, or at least, um, I'm a little bit wrong because journalists have definitely rallied around this question, um, <laughs> but not about Cory Booker. That's kind of the really the other interesting part of this, too, is that um, Cory Booker could be a candidate for the religious left, says Jack Jenkins in 2018. But um, what what happens is actually something really different that um, journalists do rally around this idea um, of the religious left or the Christian left specifically in these contexts, because that's um, Cory Booker's Christian. Um, but uh, Cory Booker kind of falls out of the uh, limelight when it comes to the Christian left, and instead somebody else steps in. Old Mayor Pete. <laughs> young Mayor Pete, young, actually. Young, extremely young Mayor Pete. <laughs> teen yeah. Mayor Pete. Uh, <laughs> teen Mayor. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, Teen Mayor. Uh, teen Mayor for Teen President. I love that. <laughs> oh, he's um, just president of the teens. That's no big deal. <laughs> I don't know why, but just like uh, Pete Buttigieg gives a very big Teen Wolf vibe to me, um, or even like a Marty McFly vibe actually. And that I'm not even saying that ironically. Yeah, he's, he's got a Back to the Future energy. Yeah, I mean, he, um, he seems like the same height as Michael J. Fox. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, he seems like he could turn into a wolf at any moment. Um, so <laughs> what I love about this shift from Cory Booker to Pete Buttigieg is that. It actually describes or kind of performs this weird, like, journalistic inability to, like, focus on one question at a time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, all right, in 2018, Jack Jenkins, to his credit for, you know, all of our maybe, like, political disagreement or whatever, he is the kind of person who's been, like, desperately trying to get people to think about the relationship between faith and politics. I think sometimes in the wrong way, but, you know, whatever. Kudos to him for saying we ought to at least think about it. Um, but what's crazy is that as soon as everybody did start thinking about it, they all sort of disagreed with uh, Jenkins about who that person would be. And that's not to make a judgment call on on Jack Jenkins kind of, you know, prophecy powers or whatever, uh, but rather everybody responded to a candidate that was really going hard on the religious left uh, rhetoric himself, that being Mayor Pete. So if Cory Booker was talking about civic grace and kind of towing this like, I think you could say like careful line about talking about his own faith. So he'll be like, yeah, I think God is love and God is justice, but also like America. Um, Mayor Pete is kind of wading into the discourse with a lot more, uh, I don't know what you'd say, like proactive rhetoric uh, around his own mm -hmm. sort of faith. Um, I mean, like, I have a, a couple Google alerts set up for the Christian left and the religious left. And it's like every day I get an article about how like Mayor Pete is like a gay Episcopal who's all about those two things at once. Uh, you know, it's just a really big thing. Um, 
there's been a number of articles and we could talk about so many of them, uh, but I think that it's actually probably good to talk about one that was written by Guthrie Grace Fitzsimmons, um, who's been covering the Christian left and religious left a little more broadly for a little while now uh, that he wrote for CNN. So um, it opens with some commentary on uh, Eric Erickson, who's been complaining about Episcopals lately. Uh, not worth talking about him. Uh, but Guthrie uses it to demonstrate that he says, quote, progressives all over the country are challenging the fundamentalist stranglehold on what it means to be Christian. And in Buttigieg, we have an amazing role model whose mere existence as a gay Christian running for president inspires me. Buttigieg has leaned into his faith, giving interviews about his religious beliefs and appearing to incorporate it into a stump speech. I think that's actually a really important kind of moment. You know, um, Mayor Pete has just sort of taken this like uh, Midwestern um, kind of sensibility. And he's like, yeah, I'm a person of faith, like all these other people of faith that I, I live with and live around now, like these coastal elites or whatever. Um, and it's kind of suggesting that, OK, uh, the Christian left is really basically a, a baptized version of the Democratic Party. Um, but maybe a little bit more than that, too. Like, maybe the people who are baptizing the Democratic Party actually authentically believe in both of those things, their own <laughs> Christianity and the Democratic Party at the same time. And what would it be like to think about that together? Um, it's actually a genuinely interesting journalistic sort of thing to be covering. Uh, it's important that somebody's saying that to, like, you know, cover how they're intervening in, in religious and political discourse. But again, I think it, it leads us to that same problematic tunnel vision with respect to the Christian left in general, because if Mayor Pete is the symbol of the Christian left, um, as we'll talk about maybe in a minute, uh, that leaves out a whole lot of very, very important people who are further left than the Democratic Party will likely ever be. Yeah, it is frustrating because it has all the trappings of like, I mean, Mayor Pete has all the trappings of like a really progressive kind of figure right like he's i mean he's a gay episcopalian like that's that's like legit that's great um but like when it actually comes down to policy or like when he starts talking about what he's into it's really disappointing like not even is he into like free college for people <laughs> like that's like you know <laughs> i mean a maybe it's like a bad litmus test for the left but it's like you know at least a, a litmus test for the left um well all that being said though um the Grace Fitzsimmons article is also like very sweet because he kind of incorporates about like how uh, Mayor Pete is kind of like an important figure for his own life and stuff coming marriage. And it's like a sweet story. And I like that. So it's there's some good things, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably actually the best part. Yeah, of the entire article. I think so, too. I think so, too. <laughs> um, I should say, actually, I mean, I don't know. There's been a lot of talk about that, too. Right. Like uh, within different sort of LGBT outlets, people have been talking about whether Mayor Pete is good or not um, for basically like the acceptance of gay people in public life and in Christianity more generally. Obviously, like neither of us are capable of rendering any kind of judgment on that. Um, but it is really interesting that people have to uh, contend with him being a like relatively normal guy <laughs> like like he, the fact that he's a boring democrat episcopal who's also gay and talking about his faith all the time creates some kind of interesting public discussions and that's fine like beyond the political stuff that's kind of interesting um i will say though the most disappointing thing about people to judge is that his dad was a translator of uh Gramsci's work into english and uh, what a huge bummer it would be if you translated one of the most important communists uh, in the 20th century and your son turned out to advocate uh, democratic capitalism. Be very sad. 
<laughs> I wouldn't like that at all. <laughs> well, um, so far we have, okay, we have these two articles, and obviously they're not happening in a vacuum at all. Um, they're One's very recent, one was a year ago, but still we see like some very similar tropes kind of emerge. Um, just in that first that first bit you read, Dean, uh, progressives all over the country are challenging the fundamentalist stranglehold on what it means to be a Christian, and you get the same kind of feeling from uh, the Cory Booker thing too. That like there is something called the religious left, and that like um, it values these things, and it's not just um, evangelicals and fundamentalists and right wing stuff, right? So we have this trope that like there's actually um, there's actually a voting block of like Democrats that this might matter for. Or like, or there's a voting block of the left, whoever they might be, right? Like, that's probably something we should get around to talking about at some point here. Is like, in this sense, what is, what is the left? And it's you know not a very robust left, I think, but still, um, yeah. So that's what we got so far. Anything else we think we should pull out from these two? Like, any comparisons? Um, maybe one thing just to draw this into a wider context before we move to the next article. Um, so we've got Cory Booker, we've got Mayor Pete. But this idea of kind of finding the religion angle on all these candidates is also something that's been coming out a lot. So um, journalists have been following like Elizabeth Warren or, uh, you know, Kamala Harris or whatever to look at for every time that they are talking to a group of pastors and mentioning their faith in public. Um, it is kind of interesting that some of them don't really get talked about as often as these other two candidates yeah. like Booker and Buttigieg have become the the kind of. Um, I don't know, go to talking people, but all these other people talk about their faith in public. Um, so I don't know. I mean, what does that say? Maybe something about sexism or something. I don't know. Um, but it is kind of interesting to think about like how journalists, you know, um, shape the way that we think about whether or not someone is religious or whether or not religion even matters to them. I mean, I don't even, you know, if I had it my way, <laughs> the candidates that I would be choosing from wouldn't all be capitalists. Uh, but nevertheless, among those capitalists, um, like it's probably worth at least kind of figuring out how they do and don't all get uh, sort of talked about with the same kind of narrative flair or religious aura, uh, even though they could. Someone could easily write an article saying Elizabeth Warren could be a candidate for the religious left, and they would have like just as much a leg to stand on as someone writing about Cory Booker or Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, um, okay, we've covered um, the the first two usual suspects. Um, we got we got Mayor Pete, we got Cory Booker, but let's get really weird with it. Um, so for the third article, we thought, uh, well, I mean, Cory Booker said that his faith is nonpartisan and uh, same here. So for the third article, we thought we'd turn to a really <laughs> weird conservative source. Uh, we found this uh, very recently published article from The Federalist, which I feel gross even <laughs> saying. And I had to go to that website and it's in my history now and I don't like that. But I did and I went and I read it and it's a really strange thing, but actually kind of telling. Um, or at least it, it trades in the same type of tropes that the others do, but with this weird twist in there. So the article is titled, For the Left to Get Religion, They'll Have to Give Up Abortion and the Misuse of Sex by Nathaniel Blake <laughs> at The Federalist. I don't know what the misuse of sex means. I read the article and I'm still not really sure, but it's just like... <laughs> I used my sex wrong. Oh, I no. did a wrong sex. <laughs> These directions are not clear. <laughs> Okay, so the article starts off in an actually interesting way. And it's kind of charitable, even. So this is what Nathaniel Blake... I don't... Uh, Dean and I were Googling around for Nathaniel Blake. We are not sure who that person even is, but he apparently wrote this article for The Federalist, so you can look him up 
and maybe find all, all I can determine is that he has a PhD in political theory. That's my favorite somewhere. thing to have a PhD in. It's good. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So he's, uh, he starts the article and says this. I'm a conservative, but I would agree that Christians can hold good faith progressive views on political issues from environmental policy to gun control to tax rates. Nice. Th- thank you. <laughs> Despite our disagreements... I would be delighted if progressives were coming back to church rather than fleeing. <laughs> it's so funny because it's just like, well, progressives aren't in church in the first place, really, but they should go back to church. <laughs> I mean, whatever. It's like a, it's like a weird kind of like, um, either like ignorant thing to say or kind of backhanded. And either way, it's fine with me. I don't care. Uh, I do love this though that it's like, um, I'm a conservative, but Christians can actually have progressive views. In good faith, <laughs> uh, if that's if that's what he thinks, I don't know why you would still be conservative. But fair enough. I mean, whatever. It's just that sort of yeah. marketplace of ideas, I guess. Um, I love it because that sentence is like, uh, "I'm a conservative, but you know what? The Pope's still Catholic." <laughs> well, so he goes on uh, then to kind of make his point. Um, Despite the diversity of other political opinions, Christians should speak with a united voice in declaring that the government should not permit, let alone subsidize, the killing of developing humans in utero. Opposition to abortion should be a baseline for Christian involvement in politics, and progressive Christians who support bigger government in order to combat injustice should be loud supporters of the right to life. Okay, so this is, like, I think a really weird take for so many reasons. I mean, um... I think like liberals have a hard enough time talking about the Christian left, let alone a conservative. Um, but this person has like a really interesting take, I guess. I guess it's interesting to me because it's just like Nathaniel Blake thinks that, um, I guess two things that it's good if progressives come back to church, probably because it means they'll be like reformed in some way. <laughs> yeah. uh, but also because it's like, if they come back to church, there should be this there. They should like, um, it should be, like you know, ethically coherent for them to s- stop supporting abortion or something, right? If they're so interested in justice, then they will obviously take this position up. And that's really weird. This is like a take that is, I think, completely outside the norm. Um, and I don't know exactly what to do with it, <laughs> but it's an interesting one that I read, and I thought I would share it on this podcast right now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that one the take in general that uh the religious left should include people who um oppose abortion is not unique, right? No. That's like a you could pick up like any Catholic magazine and probably read that somewhere. Um whatever. And it's true that that's like something that people on the religious left in terms of electoral politics actually have to figure out, um I guess. But like <laughs> the thing that's crazy is that he says, like, uh, progressive Christians who support bigger government in order to combat injustice should be loud supporters of the right to life. Um, it's just, like, a bizarre connection. Yeah, like, totally. Um, if you love big government, then, like, I guess you hate abortion. And, I don't know, not very convincing. Not not gonna uh, bring those progressives back to church, I, I don't think. I don't think so either. I guess that that's what makes it so weird to me, is that he thinks that, <laughs> like, I don't know, it seems like in this in this instance... It's like Christianity is kind of like a means to an end for him. Um, right. I hope that's not too uncharitable to read, but it's such a weird thing. I don't know what else to think. Like, um, you know, he wants he 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 starts off first saying like, well, 
it's like Christians can be progressive in good faith. It's totally possible. Christians, did you hear that? Or like, sorry, progressives, did you hear that? Like you don't have to, you can go to church. It's fine. Um, and like, you should go back to church. It's great. And also you should like, because of that, like necessarily so, uh, you must also sort of be anti-abortion. And it's just like this weird array of ideas that clearly are <laughs> like tenuously linked together. It's a really, it's just a lot of weird stuff going on. Yeah, it's also strange, like, uh, the implicit reasons that progressives leave here are bizarre. Like, the the insinuation, I think, is that progressives leave the church because they differ on positions of environmental policy, gun control, and tax rates, <laughs> which is not the case. Um, and if they, like, like progressives, okay, it's true that uh, lots of people who are progressive probably don't end up going to church as much um, for a number of reasons. Uh, but like, there are lots and lots and lots of progressives who are in church, um, who are not fleeing, like they're still there. Uh, the mainline church is like a whole big, big giant church and they're not, you know, they're hemorrhaging members or whatever, but like, I don't think people are leaving because they're progressives, um, as opposed to being conservatives who are like coming back. I don't know. It's just strange to kind of presume already that like the church is a conservative institution for the most part and progressives are kind of just voluntarily leaving, uh, because they like change their mind about a host of issues. Maybe that's not what he's saying, but it just seems to be kind of reading between the lines. Right. That is definitely like a trope, though, of this type of like article that like um, uh, there needs to be representation of a religious left, uh, or I mean, sorry, there needs to be representation of a Christian left um, in like national politics. So uh, people like Christians, progressive Christians, will f- feel like they actually have a place in church or something. But I think that is like a weird assumption that like. They wouldn't just feel that way going to like a mainland Protestant church or something like that, right? Like that you need that right. sort of person as president to make, you know, to give you permission or something. I don't know. Right. That doesn't seem true to me, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's move on. We've got like a few more left, uh, three more left um, to pull out here. Uh, this one is from the National Catholic Reporter by Michael Sean Winters. It is called, May the Renewed Religious Left Avoid the Religious Rights Mistakes. Um, I'll read just like a couple of paragraphs really quick. Uh, I'll try to shorten them. Um, but I think, I don't know, there's some things in this article I don't agree with, but there are a couple of points that are really good. Um, so he says, uh, um, he's talking about like a number of candidates who appeal to, you know, whatever biblical verses and stuff for policies or in speeches and that sort of thing. Um, he says the fact that these candidates are not particularly deep theologians is a little frustrating, but it would be worse if they were trying to be theologians. We're electing a president, not a pastor or a preacher, and the calculations we expect from a political leader are different from those we desire in a religious leader. Uh, And then he goes on to make another pretty good point, I think, where he says, um, the voters do not want a president who is constantly bowing before uh, the altars of the gods of political correctness. I don't know what that means exactly, but he goes on to say religion could provide a way to balance out competing values if only someone will engage as a prod, not a prop to their politics. Um, what I think is actually good about these points, uh, despite being couched in a few arguments I don't particularly love, is that uh, it's true that like politicians, it's okay for a politician to be a politician. They don't actually need to double as a, a voice of faith in the public sphere or something. Um, and I appreciate that this comes in something like the National Catholic Reporter, that like the fear is not of a, a kind of, you know, secularized public space or anything. And it's also not arguing for a secularized public space. It's just saying like, well, we don't need religion to be kind of like a weird tacked on ornament to like all the policies that actually will make a material difference in people's lives. 
Um, I think that's actually like a very good thing uh, that the idea of the religious left becoming a, a, a rhetoric that could actually paper over um, real policy differences is something that would actually be really bad. Um, it would probably good be good for a lot of journalists' careers, but it would be very bad for the rest of us. Yeah, I think it's actually a good point to bring up that like, okay, presidents aren't pastors. Yep. And like, there is there is conceivable situations where like a Christian left uh, a Christian left or a progressive Christian or like whatever that really means could vote for somebody who is not a Christian, right? Like I can imagine right. doing that very easily. <laughs> Um, and I, I think like in a lot of ways, um, I mean, that is definitely the problem with the religious, the religious right is that like Donald Trump is, you know, um, I think in a lot of ways for evangelicals, a religious figure. Um, so I think it's good advice. Yeah. Um, and I think too, that idea of like religion should be kind of a prod to your politics and not a prop. That's actually very, like, it's a cute phrase, but it's a very important distinction, um like your faith community should actually trouble your political positions i think um you know it should prod you forward like it should give you interesting things to sort of bounce off of it should you know provide a a number of of ways of thinking about an issue but it shouldn't be just like a you know an accessory or like something that you put on um alongside all the rest of your political positions i think that's actually a way more authentic way of looking at how like religion even operates in people's lives generally um so like why should we expect politicians to talk about their faith all the time when like you wouldn't even do that at a party (laughs) right yeah i think uh prod rather than prop is good too because i mean like it okay and if you set it up if you set it up in other ways like the cory booker article right like um he's talking about how he's a christian god's all about justice and also like my ideals and values line up with the united states completely that is such, like, an incoherent thought. Like, how can you believe in a god that's about, like, you know, tearing the mighty from their thrones and lifting up the lowly, but also be, like, the president? I think that, like, the... <laughs> it doesn't... It's like you're doing the opposite is kind of the thing. Um, but, like, it, this other way of thinking about it, you know, religion is prod, it would mean that, like, well, the real figure for the, the Christian left would be the one that, like, can be antagonized by religion and respond accordingly um right so that's what i want someone who's not a christian but who who's open to hearing the antagonisms of it and i think that would be good (laughs) yeah okay i mean they could be a christian and antagonized by it too it's fine i'm just saying like yeah i mean like you know if you if you think that um christianity and being like an american are 100 percent compatible and not a problem whatsoever like shut up no they're not yeah yeah that's ridiculous (laughs) you have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a good take um all right let me uh move us to another one this is just kind of another brief point but good um this is from an article in the atlantic by emma green and it got passed around a lot and people have a lot of thoughts about it i'm kind of gonna ignore them all um but there is one good one very good point that she makes so the article is called democrats have to decide whether faith is an asset for 2020 um This particular point isn't really the overall point she makes in the article, but I think it's good. So she says, speaking the language of faith is an effective way to get media attention. Democrats' tortured relationship with religion has long been a theme in political coverage, and faith is rightfully seen as an important factor in elections, but religious rhetoric only goes so far as a way to win votes. The more important measures of candidates' savviness about faith and politics will be in their campaign substance and structure. Mm -hmm. 
And then she quotes somebody that she interviews saying, it shouldn't just take a politician quoting Matthew 25 for you to be all in. You need to be paying attention to the policies, to how much of their actual time they're spending on issues you care about and on institutions and organizations you care about. Um, I think that's a really important paragraph. And there's two points that are made. The first being that talking about your faith is a really good way to get media attention. Yep. I mean, that is super obvious. That's the whole thing we're talking about in this entire episode. Uh, and, you know, whatever. That's that's a thing. Um, so we should be kind of suspicious of that, maybe, or at least like thinking harder about it. Uh, but the second point is that if you really want to kind of figure this out, like the question of where people's faith influence goes, then you should just look at how people develop their policies and where they're actually spending their actual time. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a really, really important materialist way to think about th these issues. Yeah, I think that's good. Right. I mean, like Mayor Pete can say all the stuff about the religious left he wants, but like, uh, you know, still at the end of the day, he's just a democratic capitalist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, cool. Well, the last article we're going to talk about, and then we're going to probably draw out some like wider themes about things we've just discussed, is one that came out uh, today, April 11th. So if you're listening to this in the future, that's the reference point. For some reason, <laughs> that's important. I don't know why. Um, okay, so the article is called Talk of a Rising Religious Left is Unfounded. It Already Exists by Liz Brunig in the Washington Post. Um. There we go. Uh, I don't like talking about Liz Brunet because she runs a competing podcast and a competing brand, and uh, <laughs> she doesn't pay us to talk about her, so I don't like to do it. Um, yeah, she does post extremely good baby photos, though, and I can appreciate that. Yeah, who doesn't? I respect the baby game. Yeah, for sure. Um, love the baby game. That's my favorite game. <laughs> uh, so Liz Brunig writes uh, talk of a religious left is puzzling in part because there's an already existing religious left it just lacks the money numbers and partisan leverage of the religious right okay that's true good point <laughs> <laughs> it's like this article might be good um, is kind of my feeling um, then yeah. she goes on to say while white evangelical Christians make up the single largest religious block in the Republican party and half for decades the biggest single block in the Democratic Party belongs to the nuns who claim no religious affiliation and their share is growing. In 1997, nuns made up just 9% of the party. In 2017, 33%. Democrats, uh, Democrats do not appear to be growing more religious with time. Neither does it appear likely that any particular religious constituency will gain the kind of dominance within the party that evangelical Christians have achieved on the right. Okay, so I like this point that she makes because it's like it contextualizes like the actual importance of like a like a not a Christian left, but democratic left um, in the sense that like uh, you, you know, you, you can't, there's a sense in which people are like, Oh, there's a religious right. Well, there should be a religious left as well. Or there should be you know, a Christian left as well. But this is kind of, is helpful because it contextualizes it where it's just like, it wouldn't mean the same thing, even if there was right. like the, the, the block of democratic uh, Christian voters is like, it's there for sure. Like there are progressive Christian Democrats, but it's like not a significant part of the party and it's not a significant growing part of the party. And I think that uh, Liz Brunick helps us set that part of the narrative straight um, and helps us kind of disentangle some of the big ideas there. So that's good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Cool. So then she makes, I think um, the next point I like, but kind of in an, that's fine. Uh, she says, uh, like, the Democratic Party basically isn't the end of the Christian left. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, she also cites um, some, like, grassroots organizations that she thinks are important, too. So she says stuff about the Catholic worker. So that's amazing. Fantastic. That's the what I could have 
that's amazing. That's great. That's what she should do. Um, and then this other organization called Faith in Action, which is um, something I'm not as familiar with, but I think it's like more of a Protestant organization. I checked out their website and they have um, generally progressive types of language, but, you know, they're just progressive types of language, not like, you know, socialist or whatever. So she concludes her article saying, um, activism and organizing seem much more uh, the natural mode of the religious left than infra. Uh, sorry, I'll start the whole sentence over. She concludes saying activism and organizing seem much more the natural mode of a religious left than an intra-party power playing in those small but meaningful ways the religious left lives on. And I think that's good. I think that like uh, Liz Brink's take here is not unlike the one that uh, Dean, you had in your sub stack. Um, and it's good. Just like um, it kind of gets maybe at what I was saying to you a second ago about the, like, uh, more of an antagonistic power or, you know, or the, the prodding power of the Christian left through activism. Um, than uh, party power. So um, it's good. I think it's a it's a pretty good take and a way more nuanced take than I think what we even saw like last year or something. Yeah, I think so. Um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, this is kind of a very similar argument to what I was making in, in this thing that I wrote for uh, Substack, which is a newsletter that I started um, about coverage of the, the Christian left in particular. And yeah, one thing that I would do to maybe just expand um, Liz's points here to kind of echo the points I made there was that, um, yeah, like she's totally right to make this point that the Democratic Party isn't the end of the Christian left. Very important thing that we should keep on saying and and keep in mind as more and more articles will inevitably come out about the possibility of a Christian or religious left. Um, But as we think about where the Christian left keeps going, Certainly activism and organizing, that's where you should look. Um, But it's also, I think, important to ask where are Christians in these other left groups more broadly already? Uh, So certainly Christians are not probably the majority group in, for example, the Party for Socialism and Liberation. But like there are Christians there. Um, There are Christians in the DSA, lots of them, of course. There's Christians in Antifa. We've talked to them on this podcast. Uh, And I think that if we want to come up with a real kind of picture of the political, like the the radically left political Christians, uh, it would be good for us to also expand our horizons of where we go looking for the Christian left. Um, So not just in like NGOs or or organizations. Um, The Catholic worker is maybe an an exception because everybody knows who they are, Um, but also kind of just inquiring into leftist organizations that exist now and looking for where the Christians are. I mean, there are so many stories that just remain to be told, uh, interviewing and profiling people in those kinds of movements. I mean, who doesn't want to read about like a Christian Marxist Leninist in like, you know, I don't know, Iowa, <laughs> like I would definitely read it and they exist. So, um, you know, uh, I would just appeal to that too, to say that, like, um, I love this point so much and, uh, I just hope that more and more people can kind of keep on. Uh, repeating it in in more and more outlets so it would be a very good thing for journalism uh if more people were able to publish stuff like this uh like liz posted in the uh, washington post yeah i think it just becomes really hard because like um the i mean while those stories are interesting and like people like you and i would love to hear more of those stories since they're not connected to like national politics it just becomes like you know that much harder for people to actually get those types of things published well, I'll mention a couple other uh, maybe good takes too. Yeah. Um, and we can kind of just maybe do a more more meta conversation to close this out. So, uh, Hollis Phelps, he um, he does religious studies and uh, is a really great scholar. He wrote a helpful contextual criticism of the idea of a religious left, 
at Religion Dispatches, um, and Kai Oaks also wrote a really neat two p or two part piece on Catholic activism for U.S. Catholic. Uh, they're both very different, but they come to basically the same conclusion, which is that all the interesting stories about the Christian or religious left are the ones that are happening out, off the page of typical outlets and out of the spotlight of like you know political campaigns and that sort of thing. Um, kind of echoing the same point that Liz makes as well, right? That like it's activism and organizing that you should be keeping your eye out for if you want to know where the the Christian or religious left shows up. Um, I think that's just like a good point to kind of keep pressing as well, because if you do that, you actually automatically kind of sidestep the issue of like falling into baptizing one candidate as the representative of the Christian left or whatever, Um, because most like actual organizers who are on the ground are savvy enough to try to use those people when they can and also recognize when they're not actually helping the struggle out. Um, So if you follow the people who are struggling, you'll have a much longer horizon of a the Christian left than if you just follow like, I don't know, people who end up on the news or on a political stage. Yeah, I think that's exactly the point we should be making. Um, it's kind of cool. I mean, like, that's a little bit about like what we've done on our podcast. And, you know, like what we can continue to do is kind of tell more of those stories of, you know, that won't ever make it into an actual publication. Um, so let's just keep doing it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all right. That's a really good rousing call to action. I guess, yeah. I mean, yeah, like I'm gonna write uh I'm gonna write my Teen Titan uh Bible fanfic first, um, and then we'll do it. Yeah. We'll do another interview with somebody that's like religious left person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so we're about to enter full campaign season this summer. Um what do you think, Matt? Well, like if you had to Okay, so we did this kind of media criticism looking at a number of different articles and pulling out what was good in a few of them and what we thought where they they were kind of lacking or missing the mark. Um, But if you could, like, sort of give advice (laughs) to media consumers and also maybe media producers thinking about uh, the Christian left, what would you think? What would you give? I mean, first and foremost, I would say, uh, like, what do you mean by left? is always the question I want to ask people, I think, when it comes to the Christian left or any left, I think, in general, when it comes to campaign season. Like, what is left? Is democratic capitalist left? And if so, tell me why that is a meaningful type of leftism. <laughs> that would be the first thing. The second thing is just like, um, yeah, how does how does religion show up in, um, in the rhetoric and language and media spots of the people that we are, you know, current you know whoever whatever candidate is like how does it show up in their um their their speech their life like is it just about like um you know talking about like being the religious left or talking about like how there are progressive christians who should vote in this particular way um or is it actually uh about siding uh with the poor is it actually siding with people who are marginalized and oppressed i think those are the things I would look for, um, <laughs> just are they actually doing uh, something that's worthwhile or like worth calling Christian left? Or are they just talking about how religious people shouldn't cede ideological territory to the right or something like that? I think those are things mm-hmm. I would want them to know about. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think that's good. Um, I think on the, the sort of consumer side, I mean, definitely asking and 
being aware of how people sort of explain the left or don't explain the left is very important. Um, yeah, like also kind of looking for like what kinds of uh, journalistic histories there are behind specific journalists, I think is really important for media consumers. You know, like what do people seem to be actually good at reporting? Some people write about the Christian left and they, you know, like got assigned it or something. Um, so they're trying to internalize and become an expert overnight. And like, you know, it's not that like they're bad journalists, but that obviously doesn't tell you as much as somebody who's been on the beat for like three or four or five years or more um, or who like does it as a scholar for a living. So I'd say that's kind of one piece of it uh, for like media producers, though. Um, I mean, this is kind of like a hobby horse of mine now, I guess. But uh, I would just hope that people would start interviewing like normal average people and telling those kinds of stories. Like it's extremely easy to actually write a profile about someone living at a Catholic worker house or someone who's a member of the PSL or the DSA or, or Antifa or a number of like, you know, smaller activist groups or like tenants organizations and that sort of thing. And just asking like, Hey, are there people of faith here who would want to talk about how their faith intersects with their politics? Like, Chances are probably, yeah, there's like at least somebody <laughs> like uh, one time I wrote an article for America magazine about Antifa in Toronto and uh, there was there's an anti-fascist group here in Toronto and I knew somebody who was organizing with them and I was talking to him and I was like, yeah, I really want to write a piece about like Christianity and, and Antifa, but I don't know what kind of angle I would take. And he was like, oh, we have a, a Christian person in our group. And I was like, great, that's perfect. Like it was as easy as that. Just having a conversation. Um and yeah, I guess I, w I would just hope that, that people would kind of be thinking more creatively about where to find those stories and not just sort of following the news cycle and looking for the religion angle, you know, trying to get ahead of the news cycle and kind of create the, the horizon of possibility that we actually need to think about the Christian left in the world. I think that that would be very important. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, like, journalists have um, an insane amount of power to shape a you know, types of discourse. And if um, they really want a Christian left discourse, if like, you know, if, if the Christian left is just going to happen, right? Like talk about electoralism, talk about Mayor Pete, talk about Cory Booker, do it all. It's fine. But like, don't forget about this whole other side of it that I think are uh, stories that are just as compelling, just as important to tell, um, even though they might not be, you know, they might be off the beaten track uh, path a little bit. Thanks for listening to The Magnificast. If you like what you heard, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash The Magnificast. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, kind of. We have a Facebook group called The Magnificast Basement. You can send us an email at themagnificast at gmail.com. Uh, also, you should definitely be donating if you have the means to the Friendly Fire Collective and Christians for Socialism and the Catholic Worker, who are all putting together an amazing retreat in Minneapolis this summer. Uh, you can do that at chuffed.com slash project slash friendly fire. Um, and we encourage you to, to help them out. They're providing scholarships for people who want to come to the retreat and don't have the, the means to get themselves there. So if you're able to share according to your ability, they will redistribute it according to other people's needs. Uh, thanks a lot. Our music, as always, is by Amari Armstrong and the Illogical Spoon. And we'll see you next week. I don't want to get up at church in the morning, church in the morning, souls alive. Heaven come to earth and there won't be no church, we'll meet down by the riverside. 
There we'll swim with all creation Never get tired, never bored Don't worry, someday There'll be no dam between us and our Lord Jack said